Hello, my name is Adam Eaton. Welcome to episode 68 of Hypnosis Weekly. Hello hypnosis friends and a very warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Once again in my own highly biased opinion I think we have an awesome show lined up for you today. Now then uh, I'm, I'm going to dispense with all the usual stuff that I say and talk about at the beginning of each show because this week's show is very different to our usual format of the show. I'll explain why. Since first qualifying as a hypnotherapist back in 1997, uh, when, when my bald patch was a lot smaller, um, I've belonged to a number of hypnotherapy associations and I've served on committees and boards of a couple of these organisations and, and, and I've been up close with a number of organisations. Um, throughout the years, I've spoken with a great many hypnotherapists at events, on training courses, at conferences, as well as communicated greatly with people online who express a wide range of feelings about hypnotherapy organisations and associations. And today, uh, this episode is going to be focusing upon hypnotherapy organisations. And that's it. Um, just over a year ago, my belief in what a hypnotherapy association should be and what it actually is here in the UK and with the organisations that I belong to. Um, and there was a disparity between the two and it got me so disillusioned and upset that I decided to set up an organisation with some friends, some professional peers, an organisation that would do all it possibly could to help develop the field of hypnotherapy, to affirm and develop the standing of the, the hypnotherapist and develop the knowledge and skills of hypnotherapists in turn. An organisation that would accept any hypnotherapist who had a diploma level qualification and who adheres to the code of conduct and ethics. As simple as that. And thus, the, the Professional Hypnotherapy Network, the PHN, the PHN was born um, because I wanted to start to, to bridge the chasm that exists between frontline hypnotherapists and academics. You know, you, you regular listeners will probably get a sense of that. People that read my blog and, and that have trained with me will, will know that that's a, you know, it's a real central, central ethos of mine. Um, and I wanted to start to help acquaint hypnotherapists with, with more research. And so the PHN as an organisation offers all of its members access to the full catalogue of the International Journal of Clinical and Experimental Hypnosis. And, and you know, this is one of the central reasons that I, I wanted to set up the professional hypnotherapy network and take on the role of education director for the organization and and that was all about raising educational standards within the hypnotherapy field something I'm, I'm incredibly passionate about and so as an organization one of the aims has been to educate to inform and help our members develop and grow and in turn this will lead to a development in the field of hypnotherapy at least that's the aim and we want the field to benefit from a better public perception. And one of the ways to do that um, is to help you know, members of the hypnotherapy associations to become informed, knowledgeable and have the best understanding of this field. So, you know, it, it, it delighted me 
um, a few weeks ago to be able to announce publicly to all of our members that they all now have full access to the International Journal of Clinical and Experimental Hypnosis. All our members get uh, or, or rather got an email from our member services officer um, to let them know that. Um, and, 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 you know, why? Why is there so much excitement about this International Journal of Clinical and Experimental Hypnosis, Adam? Well, you know, this is the leading peer-reviewed journal in the field of hypnosis, um, containing scholarly articles and research from back when it was conceived in the 1950s all the way through to the present date. The journal has been and it continues to be a leading voice in the hypnosis field for researchers, academics and therapists. Also, though, it's referred to by clinicians in psychiatry, psychology, social work, dentistry and other varying medical specialities. As a hypnotherapist, um, as well as, you know, somebody that, that, that has you know, his own hypnotherapy training organisation um, um, or, or anybody in a related field, the, the International Journal of Clinical and Experimental Hypnosis is the single most important resource you can have for remaining fully informed on the latest developments in the field of hypnosis. All the research articles in this journal have undergone rigorous peer review based on initial editor screening and refereeing by independent referees and as a result many organizations including the American Psychological Association the APA um, and their division 30 the Society of Psychological Hypnosis and 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 ourselves here at the Professional Hypnotherapy Network have the journal as their official publication each quarterly issue of the journal offers clinical and experimental studies, breakthrough case studies, important theoretical discussions, book reviews, seminal work by clinical masters. And it's this journal that keeps hypnotherapists up to date on the latest clinical and research findings that inform what we do and how we do it. You know, if you're a member of the public, I think this makes the PHN a very favourable place to track down a diligent professional therapist. You know, that, that's been my aim and my hope. A hypnotherapist who invests in developing the most up-to-date knowledge and skills with which to serve their public. Um, um, so anybody that's a hypnotherapist, you know, we, we offer this massive benefit. Um, and you pay a very, very... Um, what, what, you know, comparatively low membership fee. You know, I'd say comparatively, you know, because it's certainly it's it's a lower membership fee than virtually any other major hypnotherapy association. In fact, the membership fee is less than it would cost to buy a couple of academic or research papers from a peer-reviewed journal. Um, so, so you know, it's it, it's one of those things. Uh, you know, I mentioned the fact that we've got a low fee because you know, offering our members. Um, um, access to the journal actually costs quite a bit of money and I'm hoping that you recognize therefore that it's something um, um, that is that is a real a real passion not just something that's you know got an aim of of, of making money for example um, and, and our aim is to have excellence in mind this is our strap line and, and so, so you know Adam why bother some of you may be asking or thinking to yourself if you look at the psychological professions and the mental health care fields, you know, psychologists, for example, undergo many years of training, studying, researching, practice. Um, psychiatrists attend medical school 
and then many subsequent years of training, researching, studying. Mental health nurses undergo many years of training and the vast majority of other talk therapies tend to require more intense, prolonged amounts of study, research, practice in order to work with the general public using their chosen modality of therapy certainly more than most hypnotherapists have. The vast majority of hypnotherapists, I, I would say at best, have 10 months of training or 10 modules worth of training. They gain a diploma and are sent out into the world as a professional. Um, and the truth is that the vast majority of hypnotherapists that I meet are struggling to make a living and they are ill-equipped to do so. And probably the reason they're struggling to make a living is because they are ill-equipped to do so. Hypnotherapy associations ought to be helping to advance their skills, their knowledge and their business development. Of course, there are lots of marketing gurus and business development experts who, who claim to have answers, systems, gimmicks um, that you apply universally, but are often simply attempting to make more money for themselves to supplement their own ailing therapy practice. Those that seek out answers in that way are often left wanting. Um, and so my answer has long been that the best way to develop one's business and professional standing as a hypnotherapist is to become better at what you do. Um, of the masses of hypnotherapists that I encounter, many of them have attended courses that, that did not match you know, national occupational standards for a minimum number of classroom hours attended. And many are being taught um, the same perpetuated nonsense, pseudoscience and myth that perhaps their teachers spew or who are taught, you know, the same way themselves and who perpetuate nonsense without applying any critical thinking skills. The truth is that many hypnotherapists simply are not good enough and their clients do not get long term benefits from their investment of time and money. When a hypnotherapist is genuinely very good knowledgeable, skilled, with great interpersonal skills, they get better results in their therapy rooms. When they get better results in their therapy rooms, their business flourishes. They get results, they get referrals, people talk about their good experiences, and a foundation of success, competence, and credibility gets forged. You know, there's more to developing a successful business, but, you know, that's, that's a key point. Hypnotherapists who, who do not think in those terms are often looking in the wrong direction for answers and solutions. They invest their limited budgets on attempting to find the answers in systems or social, market, social media marketing, um, search engine optimization, you know, fancy websites and all sorts of other gimmicks that are promoted by such gurus who cannot prove how busy their own therapy rooms are when instead hypnotherapists should be investing in their, their single main asset, and that is themselves and their own ability as a hypnotherapist. As a hypnotherapist, you know, you, you offer a service, you offer hypnotherapy, you're offering, um, um, you, you know, you know to, to deliver that yourself too. You need to be a viable and outstanding option in the eyes of your existing and potential clients. So hypnotherapists read, they research, they learn how to develop themselves in a wide variety of ways. And this is important. Being able to apply ourselves, um, um, heck, you know, in, in accordance with Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, for example, learning how to be productive, developing your soft skills, sharpening your brain, being fit and healthy, all these things are going to do us some good. Yet so many hypnotherapists get their diploma 
and then perhaps tack on a two-day EFT course or tack on some Reiki master stuff in a few days, tack on a number of other add-ons that they list on their bios and their email signatures and business cards and assume that they never need to develop anything else as far as their hypnotherapy understanding skills and knowledge is concerned. They think they've got it nailed. Heck, why wouldn't they? They've invested a lot of time and money in that initial diploma training, for example, and they feel that it doesn't need to be built upon. And that's the line of thought that exactly that is exactly why I think hypnotherapists do need the hypnotherapy associations to be top quality. They need to be associations that offer their members access to additional materials such as academic journals that they offer them access to and and easily accessible peer support groups that they offer quality supervision resources and guidance that they offer support on ethics and 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 a wide number of other benefits and these are all areas that are going to be featuring in in today's edition of hypnosis weekly One of the drivers for me as director of education of the PHN is to help familiarise hypnotherapists with academic literature and research that will then support so much of what they do. It will advance the credibility of their practice and advance the field of hypnotherapy in and of itself. If I if I return to my, my earlier point, um, it's that many hypnotherapists do not believe that they need support of a quality hypnotherapy association. And a lot of people, um, you know, if they do believe that they need that kind of support, they simply just don't get it from some of the organisations that exist currently. And um, some of these organisations are popular because they are popular, not because they're furthering the field or because they're furthering their members' careers or skills or, or so on. So my belief is that a hypnotherapy association is also something that's helping the hypnotherapist to be more successful with their clients, build a better business, but also developing the entire field of hypnotherapy and the perception of it. The field of hypnotherapy is still very much on the fringe of of therapy and psychological fields still today. And an incessant belief that you have all the training you need with your initial diploma. You know, it's, it's, it's a popular one and one that's potentially keeping the field of hypnotherapy on the fringes. So there are needs for advancing standards um, within the hypnotherapy field. You know, improving standards and service to the public um, is something and, and, and parts of the, the initiative of any good quality hypnotherapy association that you belong to or that you choose to belong to. Um, it should engage newly qualified hypnotherapists with quality CPD um, and to see that value. It should invigorate and inform experienced practitioners. It should encourage, you know, higher level um, academic and critical thinking. It should instill the importance of, of better quality reflective practice. It should, you know, an organisation should promote new perspectives, build a diversity of approaches. It should properly understand the evidence base of the field of hypnotherapy and help its members to understand it. And and so that its members know the literature well, that it underpins our practical skills and advances them in turn. It should embed core training concepts by revisiting them in, in, in a new light on occasion and, and help its members help the members of that hypnotherapy association to patch in important knowledge and skills that initial training may have missed or where the understanding is poor. But importantly, you know, it should 
help the hypnotherapist to become more successful. And and that hypnotherapist client, as a result, derive greater gains, more successful benefits. You know, us hypnotherapists are not the only ones who benefit from from this kind of a quality organisation that I'm that I'm depicting here. Um, you know, because membership ought to be helping people to become better at what they do. Um, but it's not just hypnotherapists, you know, as well as well, when they get to raise standards of the field in general terms, this is good for all of us because the perception of the public becomes better and rosier. And it's better for clients who derive, you know, more gain, more professionalism. They derive better results from 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 hypnotherapists. The raison d'etre of a quality hypnotherapy organisation and certainly one of, of my own is to offer you know, the hypnotherapist options that, that that give them a clear advancement on their original training. You know, an advancement that is sub- substantive, that's distinctive, it's healthily challenging, and not just regurgitating more of the same nonsense for the sake of it. Um, um, you know, it, it needs to provide and new knowledge, new skills, new philosophies, new approaches, new techniques, and encourage considered, respectful, healthy, critical exploration of of the field of hypnotherapy and the research that supports it. Um, Again, reverting to an earlier point, you you know, I, I believe that a hypnotherapy association needs to have a good return on investment. Um, and that is, it needs to help the hypnotherapist develop skills, knowledge and abilities that will grow the hypnotherapist's business in an effective fashion. So, you know, do, do all hypnotherapy organisations do this? And if not, why not? And if not, why belong to them? You know, very often it's because people feel obliged to or because they have to for, for professional reasons or to, you know, to maintain their insurance. Heck, some training schools even insist that all their graduates have to join their co-owned hypnotherapy association. And it's simply a means of generating extra income for the owners of that, that school and, and, and that organisation. Um, and, you know, that's frustrating because these people are not being held to account necessarily. And the organisation itself is not, is not enriching the field in the way that it should. It's not educating the field or the public as it should. In the last couple of decades that I've been working in this field, times have changed. They've changed massively. The perception of the field of hypnotherapy has changed. There are more hypnotherapists out there than ever before. Likewise, there's more information available about hypnotherapy than ever before. Things continue to change rapidly and hypnotherapy organisations need to change with it and need to update and modernise. Just as we all are obliged to and, and, and but, but usefully engage in continued professional development to keep our skills relevant, fresh and up to date. So we need to understand how to develop our businesses effectively, how to keep um, um, attracting clients and, and doing good work. But at the same time, you know, the organisations around us need to develop in the same way. Today, I encounter many, many hypnotherapists at lectures, conferences, CPD trainings and many other events. And so many of them struggle. So, so many of them 
Um, ask me the best ways to get clients. And it's virtually impossible to offer up a soundbite in a tea break that will transform them from desperate, isolated, eager hypnotherapist into successful commanding professional with a healthy waiting list of referred clients. And you know, hypnotherapy organisations ought to be playing a role in helping everybody do that. You know, you want to see more clients. You want to excel as a busy hypnotherapist. You want kudos. You want to serve the world and help as many people as possible to be well and benefit from what you know hypnotherapy can do. Um, and, and you probably want more things beside. And I think one solution is to belong to a supportive modern benefit-laden hypnotherapy association such as the professional hypnotherapy network um, um, and there is a link on this episode's page of the hypnosis weekly website for you to go and read more and join if you so wished um, like i said earlier the annual fee for doing so is much lower than most um, um, at the early stage of the development of this organization now so we're moving on a good quality hypnotherapy organization should be offering you access to quality supervision and supervisors that are well trained. Um, supervision is essential and it's written into most organizations code of conduct as being something all its members need to do regularly and to be regularly engaged in. So next up then, um, I'm going to give you a break from me. I welcome the PHN's supervision officer, Carol Samuda, onto the show to talk about what supervision is and what its main purposes are and some other important information. Enjoy this. Hi, my name's Carol, Carol Samuda. And I'm actually the supervision officer for the Professional Hypnotherapy Network, the PHN, amongst other things. I originally trained as a cognitive hypnotherapist in 2008. And when I first trained, I didn't have a great supervision experience. So when I got the opportunity to train in as a supervisor in 2011, I really thought that was a good idea. And so that's what I did. And since then, it's become a bit of a passion of mine because I really believe that good quality supervision really helps us as therapists, really helps us to be the best therapists that we can be. A little bit about what is supervision. It's a chance to review and reflect on the work that you've done. But it should be done in a way that's safe, non-judgmental, open for discussion. People often fear that it's a place to get a bit told off. It shouldn't be like that. It should be reflecting what's gone well, what's gone not so well. And it should definitely be planned, regular and ongoing. We're not the fifth emergency service. It's not a case of if something goes wrong with a client that you pick up the phone immediately to your supervisor because invariably they'll be self-employed too and probably working. It should, however, be flexible. It should meet the needs of mainly your client, but also, of course, you as the supervisee. It isn't therapy for the supervisee. That's a whole different issue. But many things can come up that you can discuss with your supervisor, again, in a non-judgmental way. What we really need to do is to consider the past to influence the future to move forward in a way that's positive for both you and your 
clients so that you can be the best that you can be. We actually want hypnotherapy to be seen as professional and if you were working in any of the other therapy models, psychotherapy, CBT, etc., it would be expected that you would be in supervision. We're often working alone, so having somebody else as a sanity check, somebody else who's working with you, along with you, is really important. No one's expected to know everything. But it is a chance for you and your supervisor to actually come together and decide how best to move forward. It helps overcome burnout, provides a sanity check, as I said. The aim is to protect the client and to support the supervisee. Working with first do no harm, having a supervisor means that you have somebody else who's looking after your practice as much as you are, who's helping you, moving you forward. A lot of people think that supervision is just for people who are recently qualified, but really it's beneficial to everybody. The supervisor should be knowledgeable, non-judgmental, should be a safe place where all topics can be discussed freely, perhaps stuff that's going on in your life, things you're noticing is, bit, is influencing your therapy, or even business building, how best to move forward to increase your practice. It offers another perspective. However, it is the client who is the main focus. So that by your practice, you're helping your client. But there are many things that come forward in supervision and that's all fine because it just means that it's somebody else to discuss this stuff with. If you were working in an office, as an example, or on a building site or many other places, you would naturally have other people around that you could sound off your um, ideas against, etc. It doesn't happen so much when we're working alone. So it's really important to have other people around. There's lots of different ways in which you can access supervision. You can do it one-to-one -one in person or via Skype or equivalent, via telephone. You can do group supervision. I love the group supervision because it's fantastic for considering a number of issues. This again can be in person or via Skype or equivalent. But if you like the one-to-one, -one, if perhaps you have a lot that you would like to discuss, it can work really well. It doesn't have to be in person. It can be often via Skype, via telephone. So it's fantastic because it doesn't need to be geographical. You can work with whoever is right for you. And of course, we can set up larger groups, peer support groups, where we can all learn from each other. However, I would say, once you're in supervision, it's a good idea to actually plan for that session, to prepare for it. After all, you're paying for the time, so you want to really cut to the chase. What outcome is it that you want from the session? What's going well for you, maybe not so well? Is there something that you're noticing happening a lot in your practice? And be prepared to follow through with ongoing supervision. It shouldn't be a one-off. It shouldn't be a snatch at it. It should be something that you do all the time. So for the Professional Hypnotherapy Network, 
It requires that those who join engage in supervision for a minimum of six hours a year. What we suggest is that that's for 30 minutes a month. However, if you're not seeing many clients, it can be adjusted. And also, it can be longer if you need more assistance with specific clients or specific issues that come up. Records need to be kept on both sides, so by you and by the supervisor. And follow-up evaluations should be completed to ensure that both are getting out of it what they need. So just to round up, just a little bit more about me. So I completed my supervision training in 2011. I run supervision groups and one-to-one sessions. My current supervision sessions take place in Alton in Hampshire, but I'm very happy to set up groups in other areas. I just need to know where you would like them. Also, under the PHN, what we're looking to do is to provide an accredited supervision course. It's likely to be later this year. There will be some minimum requirements for those who wish to attend, but as yet that's still in the planning. But if you are interested and you think that you might want to do this work, then please contact me. You can contact me through the PHN and we can have a discussion to decide how best for you to move forward. I have lots of quotes and things about the supervision. People generally feel that it helps them to grow and develop as therapists. And then there are others that don't really see the benefit. And I have to say that generally, those who do see the benefit of good quality supervision are generally those who do better as a therapist who set up their business and go forward. So if you'd like any more information, or if you'd like to contact me on anything to do with supervision, please feel free. I'd be really happy to hear from you. Thank you. Bye. I really appreciated that. I think many people think of supervision almost like it serves as a mini tutorial, but far from that, it should be about guiding, reflecting, prompting. Um, at the start of supervision sessions, you know, you should should be agreeing upon outlining objectives um, with regards to it, and the hypnotherapist, you know, presents uh, the, the, their issues, their case, their, their their client case studies to the supervisor, um, um, who who you know ought to be asking good quality questions aimed at eliciting responses from the hypnotherapist you know like I said supervision does not become or should not become a minor tutorial whereby you're being told what to do instead you know it should help you identify needs and agree upon tasks that you'll, you'll be expected to complete within a certain time frame in order to develop um, and and you make sure your objectives are being met um, and prior to you know each subsequent session and um you know the 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 supervisor can jolt and nudge you um um if you're struggling to find your own solutions um, um but otherwise you know perhaps the supervisor you know helps helps the individual to research requests rather than just spoon feeding you with answers and 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 that means that you'll be learning and developing in a much healthier manner 
I think I think sort of some of the generic goals of supervision, things like developing a collaborative relationship, you know, the same way that you would with a client between your supervisor and yourself, developing understanding of your ongoing needs, gathering enough information to identify your strengths, recognize what you're doing well, as well as identifying areas for improvement, identifying any other issues, you know, and and so on. Um, um, and And I think... You know, guidance from your organization should really be assisting you in making sure that you derive the most amount of benefit from from supervision. Next up, we're going to talk ethics. Um, We are incredibly fortunate here at the PHN to have former barrister and excellent hypnotherapist Lucy Hyde as our ethics director. Lucy has overseen the code of ethics and conduct, but also in my discussions with her, we've highlighted how important it is for members of any hypnotherapy organisation to have access to assistance and support regarding ethical queries or dilemmas. Anyway, up next, here is Lucy Hyde. Hi there, I'm Lucy Hyde and I'm the Ethics Director for the Professional Hypnotherapy Network. I've been a coach and hypnotherapist for the last five years and prior to that practised as a family law barrister and have graduate and postgraduate qualifications specifically in ethics and ethical practice. Uh, The area has always interested me. Um, I became involved in creating the PHN, uh, having previously held the role of Ethics Director for the NCH as I became dissatisfied with what's currently out there for, from existing associations in terms of education and real quality support for practicing hypnotherapists. Uh, because we're a voluntarily regulated profession, there's very little consistency in terms of what's on offer from hypnotherapy associations, many of them existing sort of specifically to validate um, their own training qualifications. And, and in reality, um, a lot of practicing hypnotherapists join those associations just for insurance purposes or to get a little badge for their website to show the public look I'm a legitimate therapist I'm credible and they don't really get much else from their membership and I found that really disappointing so that's one of the reasons uh, we chose to become a network rather than a council or an association because our vision is to be an inclusive group so that no matter where you learned hypnotherapy and no matter what your underpinning ideology is you have a supportive network of professional peers around you to provide access to the highest quality education, learning materials and evidence base, as well as real practical support for the everyday difficulties and challenges that practicing hypnotherapists deal with day in, day out, and working with the weird and wonderful clients that access our services for for myriad reasons. Um, And it's that practical support that my role as ethics director aims to provide. So we have our own uh, comprehensive code of conduct and ethics, And that provides a thorough framework for for good, high-quality practice and gives our members clear and solid guidance about practicing standards and tricky situations. I mean, part of my role here is to support our members if they're ever on the receiving end of of any allegation or complaint against them. And that can, because practicing hypnotherapy is quite a lonely profession, you know, most of us uh, practice on our own, and that kind of support and um, that feeling of being supported, I think, can be incredibly valuable. Um, so that's there to help guide our members through any process of, of complaint that might be made against them. Um, but I'm also on hand to help when unusual or grey areas present themselves, as they often do. Um, for example, uh, what special considerations apply when working with children? When is a client capable or incapable of consent? Uh, when is it appropriate to breach confidentiality, for example? Um, 
what are appropriate boundaries between therapist and client? How do you co-manage and transfer care? Uh, what restrictions apply in advertising our services? Um, what's the relevance uh, or impact of conduct um, outside of the therapy room? Uh, what special considerations apply when working from a home office rather than a, an office on a high street, for example? Um, so what I aim to create uh, as ethics director is a solid resource that our members can call on if they get stuck or have a question about a grey area um, or how to interpret the code of conduct and how to move forward. And I work with them to find a way forward so that they can proceed with confidence and the knowledge that they've done all they can to adhere to the highest standards of practice. So as a member, if that would be useful to you, you can always contact me by email um, at ethics at professionalhypnotherapynetwork.org. I think awareness of ethical issues and debates um, is incredibly important. Um, it, it, it features in the GHSC framework for advanced hypnotherapy training, for example. Yet your hypnotherapy association really can help you with those kinds of dilemmas, those themes, and can assist and support you um, with as much. Now, next up, um, you are going to hear from the marketing director of the PHN, Lindsay Shepherd, and then our member services officer, Louise Phillips. Um, Lindsay is not just responsible for the marketing of the, the PHN itself, but part of the role of a quality hypnotherapy organisation is also to help hypnotherapists advance their own careers and develop their businesses. And Lindsay's going to talk about some of that stuff. Likewise, there should be advantages and benefits to members of any professional organisation, um, 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 you know, including the PHN. And so Louise is going to talk to us about those as well. Enjoy. Hello, I'm Lindsay Shepherd. I'm a hypnotherapist and the Business Development Director of the Professional Hypnotherapy Network. My role at PHN is, is to market and develop PHN itself and to help our members market and develop their own hypnotherapy practices, their businesses. Before I trained as a hypnotherapist, I worked in several advertising agencies, working with big companies on their strategic marketing, their advertising plans, um, working on making television adverts, and, and generally looking after the building of their brands. I'll be writing blogs and articles, which I hope will be of interest to you and, and help you. Please do get in touch if there's a particular subject you'd like me to cover. When I first started my own hypnotherapy practice, I went out and I did a lot of networking. And it's still something that I do now. And I would say it's been the real core of how I built my own business up. I go to several formal networking groups, but I consider networking just getting out there and talking to people, telling as many people as possible about what I do. In my second year of business, I was runner-up in the Dorset Venus Business Awards for Best Home-Based Business. I'm really proud of that, and it sort of validated and showed that what I was doing was actually working. So let me tell you some of the networking tips that I've picked up over the years. Networking really is essentially building a relationship and a rapport with another person. And as health therapists, we're actually working on building rapport most of the time, aren't we? In business, we all need a solid group of people that, that we can trust and respect. And of course, that works both ways. 
And when we go to any sort of networking event, the principles are the same. People gravitate to people that they like and they feel comfortable with. There's always some connection of like minds which sparks the initial interest. However, networking is based on talking to people and getting to know people, and this takes time. The analogy that sums it up quite well, I think, is when you first meet someone who, who later becomes your best friend, there's rarely an immediate like best friend scenario, but one that builds up over time when you share information, things that you do together, and you build trust. Business networking is really the same. When you network at formal groups... You get to know the members of the business by listening to the, their one-minute pitches, a, a talk that everybody gets a chance to do. But you don't always really get to know them very well, and you don't really get to know what their, their business really does. So something that I do, and I would encourage other people to do, is to arrange to meet up one-to-one, -one, maybe meet for coffee, and have a chat, and really get to know each other. I think it's a crucial part of the process and it's for you to be able to help them with, with referred business. You might even want their service. It might be someone who looks after websites or perhaps a printer to help you with your business cards. But equally, it could be someone to help you with the things that you want personally, like, like a hairdresser, for instance, or a builder. So these one-to-ones are really, really crucial. And of course, they can learn more about you and your business, and, and they can reciprocate with business opportunities for you. After the meetings, the formal meetings, you may walk away with excellent contacts and leads, or even new business, but actually you shouldn't really expect that. Networking really needs to be viewed as a long-term strategy for your business. When entering the business network circuit, think of it as a long-term thing. Of course, there's every chance that you'll experience a few quick wins, but allow time to fully experience what networking can do for you and your business. Building trust with other people gradually means that you can judge their expertise, their professionalism, and most importantly, if you now feel confident to do business with them. And of course, at that point, you may decide to share some other of your valued contacts with them, knowing that they won't let you down or that prospective client. Networking is about how you can help the other person, not how they can help you. When you take that approach, actually you'll realise that the other person will want to help you naturally, as you have helped them. Over the course of time, getting to know each other better actually brings many benefits, many rewards in terms of contacts, leads, referrals. It really does work and it's worth making that effort. This has just been a very basic guide to networking. I'll be writing in more detail about how to go about it in the future. If there's anything else you'd like me to cover to help you develop your business, your hypnotherapy practice, please do get in touch. Thank you for listening. Hello, my name's Louise Phillips and I'm a cognitive behavioural hypnotherapist and members services officer here at the PHN. I've been practicing hypnotherapy for the last five years now and what I love about my job is having the ability to make a difference to other people's lives and to help my clients to achieve their full potential. As a cognitive behavioural hypnotherapist I favour working with a strong evidence-based approach because I feel that this optimises my client's experience and is the most effective 
course of treatment for most conditions. I was first attracted to joining the PHN because the PHN is an independent organisation driven by ethics with a shared vision and a strong focus on education, member benefits and giving something back to the hypnotherapy community. As many of you will know, being a hypnotherapist can at times be a lonely profession, which is why I've so enjoyed being part of the PHN community. As Member Services Officer, I'm first port of call when new members contact us. So, if you contact us about joining the PHN, it's me you'll be speaking to. I'm responsible for looking after our members and for making sure that they get the most out of their membership. As a valued member of the PHN, I'll be able to point you in the right direction to access all our resources and to make sure that you feel looked after. As an independent network, we welcome members from a number of accredited training organisations and from a wide range of therapeutic approaches and backgrounds of hypnosis. We are a supportive community and pride ourselves on the service and support that we offer to our members. As part of our community, you'll be able to have your say into how the field of hypnotherapy develops and be part of the shared vision of the PHN. As part of your PHN membership, you can enjoy many great benefits. These include access to the International Journal of Clinical and Experimental Hypnosis, which contains a wealth of research for both the experienced hypnotherapist and for those with a keen interest in hypnotherapy. The International Journal of Clinical and Experimental Hypnosis is the leading peer-reviewed journal for clinical and experimental hypnosis and each quarterly edition contains a wealth of research studies including exciting new research, case studies, book reviews and scholarly articles by the leaders and pioneers of the field. As a leading voice in the field of hypnosis research, this is an invaluable resource for hypnotherapists and allows you to keep abreast of all the latest research in the field. This is something we're very proud to offer our members. Here at the PHN, our vision is to make quality and affordable education accessible to all practicing hypnotherapists and so as a member in addition to journal access you'll also have great opportunities to access CPD, continued professional development and access to supervision and peer support groups all delivered by our team of highly experienced hypnotherapists. We will enable our members to not just develop their skills but also to build their businesses. 
you'll also be able to get professional liability insurance to protect you and to assure the public of your professionalism. In addition to this, you'll also have access to exclusive special offers which are only available to PHN members. Another of the great benefits of being a PHN member is that you'll be able to advertise your own services to potential clients through our membership directory and so reach out to a larger audience. Being part of an organisation such as the PHN demonstrates to future clients that you are a credible professional and knowledgeable in the field of hypnosis. This is of course invaluable when building up your reputation as a professional reputable therapist as this demonstrates to your potential clients that you abide by our strict code of ethics and professionalism. So if you'd like to find out more about becoming part of the PHN community, please feel free to get in touch and I'll be happy to answer any questions that you may have. Thanks. So up next are three people offering three sets of really good pieces of advice and some consideration um, for, for, for anybody that's a professional hypnotherapist. First up, if you want to become an egghead like me regarding hypnotherapy, then research officer for the PHN, Dave Dorothy, talks about how to source quality research and evidence base to inform your work. Then Steve Baxter, our technical services director, talks about how to get the most out of your professional hypnotherapist website. Before our liaison officer, Claire Lincoln, then talks about choosing insurance and the importance of that. Go ahead. Enjoy this. Hi, my name is Dave Dorothy and I'm the Professional Hypnotherapy Network's research officer. In recent years, many practitioners in the field of hypnotherapy have been choosing to use evidence-based therapeutic approaches with their clients. With this in mind, my role within the PHN is to help bring the fields of research and practice closer together. One of the areas I'm most excited about is hosting a research column within the PHN newsletter. The research column will be a great place to share articles, papers, extracts, and links that we believe practitioners both utilising and wishing to learn more about evidence-based approaches would find helpful and interesting. The column is, however, not just intended as a place for us, the writers, to share our discoveries. In time, we would like it to become open-sourced. We'd like to encourage all our readers and members to share the papers, articles and findings they source. Ultimately, we'd like the research column to be a place that working practitioners researchers and those with an interest in the field can turn to when wishing to learn or share information about the fields of both hypnosis research and hypnotherapy. For practitioners interested in research and evidence-based hypnotherapy practice, I thought today would be a good opportunity to introduce some of the basics. So what is evidence-based hypnotherapy and why bother? Evidence-based practice as described by Dr. David Sackett, is the conscientious, explicit and judicious 
use of current best evidence in making decisions about the care of the individual patient. It means integrating individual clinical expertise with the best available external clinical evidence from systematic research. Evidence-based practitioners decide upon therapeutic approaches and client care based upon the most current independent research available, and doing this enhances the opportunity for reliable, safe and effective care. Evidence-based practice affords hypnotherapy the chance to be considered part of mainstream science-based clinical psychotherapy. An evidence-based practitioner will endorse therapeutic approaches validated in clinical trials and research literature. So I'd like to also take this opportunity today to suggest a few of my preferred research sources. My first suggestion would be the International Journal for Clinical and Experimental Hypnosis. This journal is a superb place to keep up to date with the latest research and the back issues will offer you a lifetime of valuable papers to get stuck into. It's worth remembering that as part of your PHM membership, you will gain full access to the International Journal of Clinical and Experimental Hypnosis, so make the most of it. The American Journal of Clinical Hypnosis will be my second suggestion, as once again it provides a vast resource of material on the field of hypnosis and hypnotherapeutic practice. My next suggestion would be PubMed. PubMed is a public medical research database of US government's National Library of Medicine. So it's a great place to look and do your research. Another option is the excellent Google Scholar. This is Google's very own research offering and is well worth exploring. My final suggestion today for those serious about evidence-based practice and research would to be consider purchasing the Oxford Handbook of Hypnosis. The Oxford Handbook of Hypnosis is an excellent resource that I would never be without. I hope this brief introduction today has helped shed some light on my role as research officer within the PHN and the value that our network places on research and practice. If you would like to get in touch or wish to share your research with our members, please email research at professionalhypnotherapynetwork.org. Hi, my name is Steve Baxter. I'm the technical director of the Professional Hypnotherapy Network. Now, I've got five minutes today and I'd like to talk to you about your website. And I'd like to ask you three questions, which I wish that somebody had asked me all those years ago when I first set up my first hypnotherapy practice website, because they would have saved me an awful lot of time and frustration and quite probably attracted a lot more clients. My first question is, have you decided what the website is there for? What is its purpose? What is it there to do? Because yes, of course, it's there to inform people about your you and your practice and hypnotherapy. But I would suggest that actually its real purpose is simply to get prospective clients to contact you. So it doesn't need to be a font of all knowledge about yourself and hypnotherapy. It doesn't need to go into great detail. Because ideally, what you want to do is have people go to your website, having found it through Google or such, and have a look at it and say, well, that's interesting. Hypnotherapy sounds like it, it could be an interesting way for me to go to overcome my particular issue. 
And, you know, I, I like the sound of this hypnotherapist. Do you know what? I get in touch. And that's what you're aiming for. So you can actually have quite a simple website that has the elements of informing about hypnotherapy, what you can do, informing about you, your approach, perhaps your personality, and how to get in contact. And that's it. Second question is, well, now you've decided what your website is for, do you write it yourself or do you get someone else to do it? Now, even someone like myself, who has a background in IT and is you know, highly technical, I would think twice about writing it myself because it requires a lot of skill. It requires technical skills and it requires design skills. And yes, you can buy templates and things like that online, but you still need those skills to a degree. These are all skills that a professional web designer will have learnt to a very high level and practiced and refined over developing tens or hundreds of websites. Now, you might think that, well, I've got lots of time, I can do it myself. But I suggest that, again, a professional web developer will be able to get your site up and running in a much quicker time than you can do it yourself. And the result will look better and perform better than something you can do yourself. Now, of course, you can spend the time and effort developing those skills yourself, but why would you do that? Your primary goal, your primary function is to develop your business as a hypnotherapist. You don't want to turn yourself into a web developer and a web developer who's probably only ever going to develop one website. So I'm highly biased towards it, getting someone else to do it. Third question is, once your website is up there, how do you get the ranking on Google? And of course, you know, people write books on this. People sell services on, on search engine optimization to get people to your website in the first place. And I can't possibly explain all that in the remaining minute and a half I have. But I'd like to offer a philosophy which seems to help with your search engine ranking and that is that what is google there for google is there to help people find websites and it does this by somebody puts in a search phrase and it finds a little website and it keeps track of the websites that they click on and it keeps track of the websites that um, they stay on so i would suggest that the best way before you get into search engine optimization for your website is making sure your content is interesting. Making sure your content is going to get people to stay on your website and look around. It's going to inform them. It's not going to be overly repetitive. It's going to satisfy whatever their original query was. And that's it. Simple. So three simple questions that can save you a lot of time, a lot of money, and hopefully attract a lot more clients. Bye. Insurance is right up there with taxes for sure things you need to have. Insurance is a legal requirement if you have a car, a legal requirement when you take out a mortgage, for example. Unfortunately, these days, the litigious society is growing, from people claiming they've had whiplash in a car accident to get some extra cash, to those people who make a career out of claiming for discrimination, pain or personal injustice, where there has been none. Insurance fraud is big business, which you may have witnessed with ever-increasing premiums. Personally, I'm quite risk-averse, having spent 20 years working in financial services, 
you get to read lots of policy documents from investments and pensions to insurance. These documents are there to give the customer as much information about the policy, investment, etc. So they are totally informed about what they are buying and know exactly what they'll be getting. But how often have you read the small print of an insurance policy or the terms and conditions of something you sign up for online? It can be this detail that you've agreed to that might mean you're not as covered as you thought you were. Ensuring your business is something that's worth giving some serious thought to. You only have to type hypnotherapy insurance into Google to find a whole list of suppliers who'll be able to quote for you. Towergate comes in at the top of the search, followed by the general hypnotherapy register and then Balin's. You may be purely driven by price alone, but I would recommend that you read the policy documents to check exactly what you're covered for prior to signing on the dotted line and handing over your hard-earned cash. If you're running a practice from your home, you may need to consider how this affects your home insurance. Having clients in your home could be seen as too big a risk to an insurance company to cover you. They may believe there is an increase of theft or damage to your home, and in most insurance policies there is likely to be a clause along the lines of if you haven't given us the full details, you'll invalidate your insurance. If there was damage to your house caused by something related to the business you run from home, you may not be able to claim for it. What if your client tripped on a rug edge of the chair and seriously hurt themselves? Damaged a knee, for instance. What if your hypnotic chair broke and your client was injured as a result of the broken chair? Would you be able to pay a claim made against you? There's big business and personal injury claims and these situations could lead to expensive legal bills. Consider your ability to pay legal costs in the event of a claim for discrimination. Perhaps you terminated therapy due to a conflict of interest or it wasn't working and they sued you suggesting that you didn't want to see them because of race, religion or disability. Would your insurance cover you for legal costs? As I said before, there are people who do this almost as a career to make money from companies it may well be cheaper for a company to pay them off rather than go through a court case. Having insurance is another message to your clients that you take your business seriously. In the same way that you underwent extensive training to become a therapist, the same way that you undertake CPD to ensure that your knowledge is up to date so you are able to deliver the very best for your clients. Insurance is not very exciting in any way shape or form but it is a fact of life. Whatever insurer you decide to use, do read the policy documents and do check your house insurance if you're working from home before you make your final purchase. My final uh, and next guest today is Annalise Kirk, who is the Professional Development Officer for the PHN. She's going to talk about the importance of continued professional development. Over to you, Annalise. My name is Annalise Kirk, and I am the Continuing Professional Development Officer for the Professional Hypnotherapy Network. Just imagine this scenario. You go to visit a doctor with an ailment. He goes through all of the questions he needs to ask, checks you over physically and then prescribes you some medicine to help you feel better. Unfortunately for you, this doctor has not kept up with the latest advances in medicine and gives you a course of tablets that has been superseded by a more effective injection. 
You do get better eventually, but you suffer side effects in the meantime, and it takes a long time for you to get back on your feet again. But now imagine a second scenario. You go to visit a doctor with an ailment. He goes through all of the questions he needs to ask. He checks you over physically and then prescribes you the newly approved injection to help you recover. This injection works twice as quickly and has fewer side effects than the tablets and you get back on your feet in half the time it would have taken should you have taken the course of tablets. Just think about that. Which doctor would you have preferred to see? I'm hoping that you would have chosen the latter. Continuing professional development, or CPD, is the practice of undertaking a range of activities, both formally and informally, in order for practicing hypnotherapists to expand and develop their skills during their career. We can become more and more capable and effective as hypnotherapists by utilizing the latest skills and techniques. CPD enables us to use these latest skills and techniques with our clients and then when or if evidence of a better technique comes along, we can discard the old technique and use a newer, more effective one. CPD exists to ensure that the practicing hypnotherapists can develop their abilities, ensure that they remain effective and safe to practice, and that they become increasingly capable in their chosen profession by regularly focusing on how they can become a more competent hypnotherapist. But this is not the only reason to undertake CPD. Learning these new skills also helps build self-confidence and provides credibility to other professionals and potential clients. Undertaking hypnotherapy is an investment for most people. It is not free and clients generally have to fund it themselves. If that was you, wouldn't you want to go to someone who is keeping abreast of the latest developments and is more effective rather than someone who is still using the same techniques that they learnt 20 years ago. I myself love learning new stuff. Gone are the days at school when I had to learn. Now I want to learn. There are so many ways that you can increase your knowledge and skills, so why not look to where you have gaps in your knowledge or experience and aim to fill them. Over the coming weeks and months, we will be putting up courses that can contribute to your CPD on the CPD training page of the PHN. Although you can also source your own courses, as long as they're relevant. But what is relevant CPD? You might be surprised to learn about the broad range of activities that this can include. Peer support groups, seminars and workshops, conferences, training courses. Designing and providing your own training courses can also be included, as can general research, consideration of journals or other relevant publications, book writing, writing social media content or blogs, attending supervision, case reviews of colleagues, business development courses, mentoring and even health and safety training. All PHN members must complete a minimum number of 25 hours CPD each, as detailed in the PHN's Code of Conduct and Ethics. 15 hours must be hypnotherapy skills related, and 10 hours may be other skills such as marketing, business training, etc. 
For more information on CPD, please visit the PHN website. Yes, that was spot on. Um, you know, your, your continued professional development as a hypnotherapist is essential and it being good quality is equally essential, um, especially if you wish to stay up to date. And, you know, your hypnotherapy association should be offering you accredited quality advice support with regards to that and, and you know, courses as far as that's concerned. So that is it for this week's 68th edition. This episode was sponsored by the Professional Hypnotherapy Network, yet it also aimed to educate, inform and advise on a number of key considerations um, as far as your professional hypnotherapy association or organisation is concerned and and, and your work within this field. Um, I hope that you'll consider joining the PHN or at least coming and finding out some more about who we are and what we do over at the website of the Professional Hypnotherapy Network, which is Professional Hypnotherapy Network, all one word, dot org. Even if you don't um, come and join us, I hope that you have a more robust idea of what hypnotherapy associations should be doing to further the field of hypnotherapy and improve the public's perception of of this field, um, as well as helping support its members. And heck, for me, to help educate uh, uh, members massively and over uh, uh, massively over and beyond their expectations as far as I'm concerned um, you know you know come and get stuck into the journal with us you get the journal you'll love becoming an ultra hypnosis geek I assure you come over to the light side um, I do have many more exciting guests that I'll welcome to Hypnosis Weekly in coming weeks too. Uh, we'll be discussing, debating, celebrating and above all remaining friends. Next time out I welcome Freddie Jackwin and we'll be discussing uh, the arrow technique and much more besides. Uh, you're going to love that episode. I absolutely welcome your thoughts, comments, suggestions and questions so do please message me or add them on the Hypnosis Weekly website. I'll make sure they are addressed, answered and explored accordingly. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter, anywhere else. Really help us reach the hypnosis field. Many thanks again to all of our contributors to this edition. My thanks to you for tuning in. My name is Adam Eason. This has been Hypnosis Weekly. Until next time, goodbye for now. Mm